Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Ooh, it's beer time, baby. Welcome into the first ever episode of the Beers on Us podcast. I could not be more excited to get this thing going, Patrick. Yeah, dude, this is kind of crazy. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast, but uh, when you came to me and asked, hey, let's do a podcast about beer, I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's roll. So as an introduction, since this is episode one and this is your first time listening, we want to introduce ourselves and kind of what the the whole idea behind the podcast is going to be. So I'll start. My name is Mike Lynch, and I'm going into the role of this as novice. I I love beer. I love drinking beer, but I am only a consumer. Uh, that's that's my entire role as a beer beer guy is drinking it. That's it. So I want to be for all of you guys who are just the average beer drinker. I want to be your guy. I want to be the one who asks the questions you want to know, and uh, the one who's kind of more on your wavelength. And I moved to Oregon probably about uh, what is it, 2018, seven years ago now. Man, time flies. And since then, I've been just all over the place trying all the breweries I can in the in the Portland area as well as the rest of the state in southwest Washington. Whenever I get a chance to try a brewery, I, I try to make sure to do it. And um, so that's me. And uh, Patrick, go ahead. Yeah, um, mine's kind of uh, very much the opposite of yours. Uh, I am kind of born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in Vancouver, went away to Wazoo, go Cougs. And that's kind of where I started discovering craft beer. And then uh, I've been back in Portland for probably five, six years now. And uh, ever since I got back, uh, beer was kind of always the staple. I've worked a lot in restaurants in the industry, and I've seen a lot, been around. Uh, And beer was always one of my favorite things, even though I've worked with wine, craft cocktails, beer was always my passion. And I've been fortunate. I'm knocking on two years now working for Breakside Brewery in the sense that I am the taproom manager in our Milwaukee mass production facility, but I also manage at our Slabtown Northwest 23rd spot. And being with Breakside over the last two years has been fantastic it's really opened my mind to beer because i used to kind of be like you mike i was just kind of a kind of a consumer kind of a a a nerd so to say someone that just loved beer uh and since i've been with breakside it's taken me a whole nother level and your name is patrick harris by the way and my name is patrick harris yeah (laughs) i forget that that is my name yeah that is in the intro so don't worry about it we'll we'll have it in there but just want just to make sure can we edit stuff right we can still do that oh we could or we could just let it go completely by the seat of our pants whatevs (laughs) so we're going to do kind of the the me being the novice and Patrick being the insider expert thing as just a way to kind of try to involve all of you listeners out there. If you're in the beer industry, awesome. Great. Thank you for listening. Patrick's your guy. Uh, and I'll be for all of you who are the average average drinker. And I think that should be a kind of a, a really cool way to attack beer as an industry. We want to kind of do everything, if that makes sense, in the beer world. We want to taste and try beers. Uh, that we haven't had before or that one of us hasn't had before. And that's going to be included in our beer of the week portion of the podcast, which is going to be at the end of every single week's podcast. We're going to have one beer that we're going to try and we're going to just talk about it. And we want to give some love to that brewery or if there's a story behind it. Awesome. So we're going to be doing that every single week. Um, we're going to have interviews with people who, who who range in all scopes in the beer world. They're going to be owners of breweries. They're going to be brewmasters. They're going to be bartenders. They're going to be um, distrib- distribution people, um, any layer that there is in the beer industry. I'm sure I'm missing some, but we're going to talk to them. And uh, we're also just going to talk about beer. We're yeah. just going to talk about topics. We're going to talk about styles, regions, all of it. I think the biggest goal of what we're trying to do here is just kind of be informative, kind of make sure like, I mean, we're getting lucky because Mike and I, we talk about this on our own anyway, so this might as well put it on a mic and send it out to you guys. The goal is to be a little different than all the other beer, ca- beer podcasts we do want to taste beer. We do want to talk about styles, and we will give our opinions and stuff, but this isn't meant to be like a massive critical analysis of everything. This is meant to be more informative, more exciting, more fun. Beer is such a laid-back thing in this town that's actually taken on its own personality that our goal is to kind of just 
pull the curtain back a little bit and kind of see how big and how much of a movement this is in this town, state, and region. It's pretty wild. Uh, and that, for me, it's it's a lot about learning because you, you have so much more knowledge in that realm, and the, and the guests we're going to bring on, obviously, are going to have the most knowledge in that realm. I know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about the behind the scenes, so I'm just fascinated. It's a world that, since I learned about it, has, in the back of my head, I'm like, that's really interesting. I wonder how cool it is to work in beer. I wonder what it's like to work in beer. And um, I, I think this will be a really cool chance for us to really dive deep and discover that. So that's going to be it. And discovery, too. I yeah. do. I, I don't want to be like every other beer podcast where we're just rating and critical. Mm-hmm. But I do want to have some of that because I want to try new beer. <laughs> yeah, we can totally do that. I mean, I'm really excited, too, because this is kind of like my everyday job. Uh, uh, it, at our brewery, we try really hard to enhance all of our beer knowledge. Uh, and this, I don't want to just teach you stuff, Mike. I'm looking forward to learning stuff on my own because I laugh when you call me an expert. By no means am I an expert. Uh, but You're I do, an expert to me. <laughs> oh, gee, shocks. Uh, <laughs> but I do try. Uh, and I make it a goal of mine every single day when I'm at the brewery to learn something new, ask questions. There's still so much that I don't know about and so much that I want to know more about. Like I want to become an old man and live in a hobbit hole and uh, build my own fooder and make Wild sour beers with fruit, like lambic style and stuff. Build your own stuff. fooder. A fooder, yeah. What's a fooder. It's an open fermentation vessel. Oh, I to make sours. Were... It's all made out of wood. <laughs> I thought you were making up a word about an <laughs> oven to create food. A fooder. My own fooder and my own drinker. I am watching a lot of The Office right now, so mm-hmm. maybe I've got a little Kevin in me right now. <laughs> uh, but I don't know really anything about that brewing process. So it's things, little things like that. Like I'm still really excited that there's so much more that's still going to come my way in this. And you know, one thing too, and, it, and we might even do a whole episode on this, but if, if you're listening out there and you're, you don't like beer or you don't love beer, and maybe you're listening with a significant other who does like beer a lot and they're listening and you're listening along, I personally really struggle with a couple of styles in terms of liking them. Mm-hmm. You mentioned sours. I don't like sours that much. Yeah. And I don't like saisons that much. Mm-hmm. But I am totally... Then you're going to love the Belgian segment we do. Well, I'm, But I'm totally <laughs> willing to try a bunch of them mm-hmm. and see if I can find some that I like. Because there's been a couple where I'm like, oh, I, I could drink that. I like that one. Well, there's always stuff. I mean, I always try to say stuff like, I don't really care for the style of Goza because the saltiness in it is a little just too much for my palate. I'm a little... I'm a little sensitive to salt in food, especially food and drink. Uh, but I'm constantly trying Gozas because I know out there there's a beer in every style that you will find and you will like. Goza spelled G-O-S-E, by the way. Correct. When you first said that, I went, what's a Goza? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, I've seen those before. Oh, Mike, this is going to be so much fun. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to learn a lot, and I hopefully you guys will too. So uh, Wherever you found the podcast, rate us, comment, uh, like, whatever the thing options are on your podcast. Please do. Share with your friends. Tell your peeps. Um, like we said, this is for everybody. Even if you love beer, if you're a nerd like me and beer, go for it. And if you don't know anything like Mike, go for it. Yeah. And like I was saying before I lose that train of thought, I want to talk about how to introduce beer to people who don't love it. Oh, such a great topic. Because my wife was one of those, and now she likes beer a lot. But when I first met her... Not a fan. Yeah, did you put a bunch of hazy IPAs in her face and I now she loves them? I did not. <laughs> no, I did not. I put a lot of uh, multi beers in her face. And oh, that's, and interesting. That's, that's where we started. But that'll be a whole other episode, and we'll get to that. But that's that's kind of an idea of some of the topics we're going to be talking about. Um, but yeah, on today's podcast, we will be talking about uh, the culture and a slight history of craft beer. We want to start broad. We want to mm-hmm. start there. Our first guest will be a guy named John Harris. Woo. Uh, I've been told this is a big deal. He's a heavy hitter. He is the owner of Ecliptic Brewing, and he has spent time in the past with McMinimins, Full Sail Deschutes, some of the OGs in the Portland craft beer scene. He also was the guy who created the recipe for Black Butte Porter, Yep, which uh, is my favorite beer. Uh, and- John's really cool. Uh, he accepted the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oregon, Bre- Oregon Brewery Awards uh, that were held in, I believe it was in February. Uh, John's a character. Uh, John's got stories for days. Uh, he is no short of words. Uh, I'm really looking forward to sitting down with John. So that'll be coming up on this week's podcast. And our beer of the week, should we say it now or should we leave it as a surprise to the end? Oh, let's leave it as a All surprise. Right. We have our beer of the week coming up as well. But let's start with our, our dive into the topic here. And that is the culture of craft beer and a little bit of a history of craft beer. Now, I was doing a little bit of reading about this before we sat down for the podcast because I... 
I know a little bit about who the OGs are here in Portland. You know, we talked about it right there in, in my little tease. I mean, Minimins was one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. Whitmer's one of the first ones. Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Deschutes. Portland Brewing. Full Sail. All kind of yep. Oregon in, introductory craft breweries. But I also found out that it started more in California. And um, I thought that was really interesting about kind of the way the California breweries started. And uh, so I guess let's start there before we get into the culture aspect of it. Because the history of craft beer... It's not Sam Adams. They weren't the first ones who made craft beer, even though you probably think that by how big they are. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Th- I'm sure there's, you know, and you'll have to forgive my ignorance sometimes on these kind of things. There's, I'm sure there are people that have made making craft beer around America just as long. Oh, home um, brewing. But, and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. us, us on the West Coast, I think with the introductions of yeah, the local guys and Anchor Steam being a big pioneer, especially because they made beer way back in the old days before we had any sort of great equipment that we have now. Uh, and then the big one for me that always comes into my head is Sierra Nevada. Those are the guys that I always look at. I mean, when I was 17 years old, you know, I, I wasn't drinking because that would be illegal. Uh, wink, wink. wink, wink and nudge, uh, nudge. <laughs> uh, I remember going to parties and seeing Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in the little kind of stubby 12-ounce bottles. And that thing has been, been around. nice parties you were going to because that was not around <laughs> my, my parents were kind of bougie. <laughs> I remember a lot of Keystone Light. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Still a ton of Rainier, but I mean, I drink. But that's Ra- more West Coast. See, I, I drink saw, Rainier to this day. I didn't say this in the introduction, but I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in the East Coast. We didn't we didn't touch Rainier. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. It was uh, Yingling was our craft beer that we had out there. That's funny because Rainier is closer than Yingling to get to the East Coast. I suppose, but isn't Yingling brewed like in Delaware? Oh, so that might be true. I think yeah, it's good call. To us yeah, in good general. call. Yeah, why don't we just make it in America? They yeah. say it's kind of like a kind of like Guinness. They say uh, the closer you get to Ireland, the better the Guinness tastes, and the warmer it is. Yeah, well, that's one thing that I we can talk about this too at another time. But the everyone who goes to Europe goes, why is every beer warm? <laughs> why is every single one room temperature and it tastes like a sandwich when you drink it? Yeah, in America we like our beer cold, cold, cold frosty, beer. and bubbly. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So where do you want to start in the history wise? We, Anchor Steam, we mentioned that was one mm-hmm. there in San Francisco or the Bay Area. And when I went down there last year, I had that for the first time. I didn't even know I was drinking one of the original craft beers yeah. in Steam. And it's an amber, correct? Yeah, I think their first Steam beer is an amber, which is kind of the classic um, the classic introductory style, I would say. I've never personally homebrewed, but I feel like I run when I run across homebrewers, uh, and if you're a homebrewer out there and I'm wrong, please correct me. Uh, I feel like a lot of them start off making ambers and reds and kind of malt driven things. Uh, I think the recipes tend to be a little more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think they tend to be a little more, um, well, introductory. I think they're like, easier to make. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to discredit the style too much, but, uh, I think they're a little more approachable is the word I'm looking for in terms of the overall brewing process. When I was in, <clears throat> college uh, one of my friends decided to try homebrewing he got a homebrewing kit for his birthday or something and we did it with him and the beer we made was an amber it was an amber it was the it was the first thing that the whole brew homebrewing kit said try this first mm. it's a little i think the the way it is with the malts and not a lot of hops it's a little easier to kind of let it ferment in, over a long period of time and uh, i think they're also re- just really approachable beers to drink they are yeah very there's very a little touch of sweetness in there and that kind of helps it and then so here in oregon We've talked about it there a little bit. The OGs include Widmer, mm-hmm. Deschutes, yep. Bridgeport, yep. Uh, McMinimins, mm-hmm. Portland Brewing, and Full Sail, correct? Yeah. Are those all of like, am I missing any? I don't think so. Not, not Nothing off the top of my head. I mean, there are people like, I didn't realize this, but Barley Brown's out in Baker City. They're, they're 20 years old. Hmm. And I didn't, I, I couldn't fathom that. Maybe because I didn't know who they were. 10 years ago or so when I was first kind of starting to really get into craft beer. Uh, but yeah, those guys, those guys have been around for a while. They're all over the place. When I think of the, when I think of the OGs and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody, I think of, you know, the Widmer Hefeweizen. I think of Bridgeport IPA. I think of Mirapon from Deschutes and Blackbeat Porter from Deschutes. And then I also think of like McMiniman's Ruby Terminator Stout. And the Hammerhead. Yep. Uh, those those are kind of the beers I think of when I think of OG organ craft. So what do you think made the classic beers different than the beers that are being produced right now? What's uh, what's different about that style or, or what they did back then? And do you think it's still – because obviously those beers are still being produced. Mm-hmm. In mass amounts. Yeah, but is it is it different, do you think, than what is like a new beer now when it comes out? 
Well, I think a lot of it is probably just the evolution of our palates, the evolution of the industry in itself to where back then I think people were just really excited to have uh, to have to be able to enjoy something that wasn't, you know, Rainier or Keystone Light, something that was actually crafted and had complexity to it. And over time, just kind of like anything kind of represents America to an extent that whenever something we've got somewhere, okay, what's next? Okay, what can we do now? And then that just over time progresses and progresses. I mean, I remember like one of the first IPAs that I really enjoyed uh, was probably like Total Domination from Ninkasi. And where that beer was 10 years ago is way different than where the IPA, IPA is now because our palates have evolved and changed. You know, people want lighter bodies now and people want different things. And I think it's as they evolve the beer styles start to change. I think what's really impressive about a lot of those beers that I just mentioned is that they are still around. Like, we cannot forget that even though everybody wants to know, you know, what's what's the new lager coming out or what's the new hazy IPA coming out, we can't forget, like, Widmer Hefeweizen is a good beer. Yep. Mirapon, I had a Mirapon a couple weeks ago, and I was like, man, no wonder this beer is still around. This beer is good. It's really good. And I think that's huge. So if we're going to transition this into the culture, so we're talking about some of the OG breweries mm -hmm. on the West Coast specifically, and our palates are changing, and because of that, the styles of the beer are changing. Yeah. But I don't think that happens unless the culture of beer is as prevalent as it is today because the, the consumer is driving the changes in beer because of what they like versus a craft craft brewer saying i think this will be interesting let's put it out and see if they like it there's such a large base of consumers now mm -hmm. that it's almost it's it's flipped on its head you're, it sounds like is what you're saying is they're they're saying whoa we know that they like blah 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 ipa yeah but we also know they like this flavor a little bit from this beer they're gonna love this beer when we when we brew this up yeah it's almost difficult for a brewery you know let, let's just for example say one brewery wants to okay i really want to push saisons okay i really i really want this to be the next trend they're gonna have a difficult time doing that on their own unless that's kind of what the crowd demands i think the only way a a brewery or breweries in general are going to necessarily push styles is it's almost like they would all have to go in on it together it's almost like you'd have to pull the heads of every big brewery in this town put them together and be like all right guys Let's make this Saison thing happen. But we have to all be in this together sort of thing. You Has know? that ever happened before, do you think? Not, to, I mean, maybe. Not to my knowledge. Uh, it's kind of like, you know. Because sours were all the rage last mm -hmm, year. Like, mm -hmm. everyone was making sours. Everyone wanted sours. Everyone wanted to try sours. Was that just like some big secret convention underground where they're like, guys, we've never really made sours before. Or we've only made one or two. Let's just flood the market. Go, 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 go. I mean, I see what you're saying. I think it's kind of like that. But I think it's more in the sense, I mean, brewmasters are always going to want to, they, they're always going to want to evolve themselves and become better. I mean, I have this conversation uh, with a head brewmaster all the time, and we're always talking about diversifying your portfolio. And, and you can have a, you know, a style of beer that you're really good at, but if you can't kind of encompass all styles, especially traditional styles, then you can become a little niche. You can, and, and. Some niche breweries do really well for themselves. I believe Cascade is still cranking out thousands and thousands of barrels a year. So that works, but All a lot of, Yeah, but a lot of them really want to diversify themselves and there's always going to be a brewmaster out there that's going to say, "Oh man, I don't know how to make a sour, but I'm going to learn." And you better believe that I'm going to come out with something. So when you moved back to Portland, when, when I guess, tell the story of how beer became part of your life and how your personal culture with beer changed and then fed into the bigger culture of beer. Well, I think I got lucky that I've spent a lot of time in the restaurant industry. Uh, even when I was, you know, when I graduated from Wazoo, uh, I was kind of teaching for a little bit, but also needed to supplement a little more income. Newsflash, teachers don't make a lot of money. <laughs> don't worry, we're trying to change that, though, guys. We got you back. Uh, Good luck. <laughs> And uh, and so working in restaurants and bars and this kind of stuff, there's, you know, I got into craft cocktails and, and wine and, and beer to try to be better at my job sort of thing. Um, and I always gravitated more towards beer. I think it's because when you get into liquor and wine, which I'm still a massive fan of. 
they're higher, higher in terms of the alcohol. And beer is a lot more of a, I don't know, it's, you can drink more of it, I guess, without trying to sound like an alcoholic. I can sit here and have, you know, I can have people over at my house and have four pints of beer. But if I have four glasses of wine, that's a bottle. I'm probably feeling tipsy. And if I have four cocktails, I'm drunk. And I think what I love about beer is that you're able to kind of continuously drink it. I mean, if beer were non-alcoholic and still tasted the way the alcoholic beer tastes, I would love that because I just enjoy the flavor a lot. It would be like your breakfast drink. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly like... Has it been your breakfast drink? (laughs) Um, Maybe. (laughs) I mean, if you don't wake up till noon, though, does it count as breakfast? Ah, okay. Maybe not. That's not true. I wish I could sleep until noon, but I don't. (laughs) Uh, And so I think what was so great about it was... Working with distributors and, and you know, putting orders for new beers on tap and having owners of these restaurants want to, you know, find new breweries and kind of be local but pull from all different areas got me really in, in to enjoy beer. I think once I moved back to Portland, then I had the opportunity to explore beer. And I think that was a lot more fun because I was still working in restaurants, still trying to create cocktail menus and wine programs and things like that. But when I was done... It was like, oh, man, where am I going to get a beer? And then I was able enough to, you know, some of my friends in my social circle and people I knew in the restaurant industry, it was like, hey, let's get off. Let's go grab a drink somewhere. And we, a lot of us now don't say, hey, let's go grab a drink somewhere. A lot of us are now like, hey, let's go grab a beer somewhere. And I think that's where I noticed the big shift in my world. It's funny because it's it's very, very different for me, but it leads to the almost the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. So... I moved here with basically negative experience in craft beer. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up and I was of age to drink, and this is, I'm not nudging you and winking, and this is true. When I was of age and you go to a restaurant like with your parents or something, you're like, hey, I want to get a beer. Uh, You say, hey, what do you guys have that's not the regular stuff? And where I grew up, when, when I was 21, the only answer we got was, oh, we got Blue Moon. You want Blue Moon? And I was like, sure. That, that's that's good. That's an OG. That's been around for a long time. Right. And I, I think when I was 21, that was no longer a craft beer. It was you know being mass produced by one of the big beer companies and all that. Um, but that was it. That was like the only extra beer these places had. If you went to a Mexican restaurant, maybe you can get Corona or something. But it, mm-hmm. was, it was generally very much just, hey, you can get a Blue Moon or you can have the, the regulars, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, all that kind of stuff. And when I moved here, I knew about the beer culture. I knew about the amount of breweries that were here. But I came in with negative knowledge. Like I'm saying, I, it just I didn't know anything. Did you come here wanting to know more about beer, or would you, had you not quite figured that out? I yet? hadn't figured it yeah. out, to be honest with that you. That beer was something you drank, and right, yeah, beer was what I drank to get drunk. That was yeah. it. So when I moved, here, I still drink beer to get drunk. I'm not gonna <laughs> me, lie, me too. But now it's much better than that, <laughs> uh, and much more than that. Ooh, this hangover is so much more <laughs> pleasant since it has all these. Ex- Exquisite ingredients. Because I enjoyed drinking it beforehand to get hungover, it's better. So I don't feel as bad today. <laughs> so what we did was we were purely, we lived downtown for the first couple of years that my wife and I, my my girlfriend then at the time, um, or I guess, yeah, my girlfriend at the time, um, we lived downtown for a couple of years and we were just looking up, hey, like what are really highly rated restaurants? We wanted to go out for dinner. And one of the ones we found was Deschutes. Mm. And I went, oh, cool, it's a brewery, <clears throat> but I like that type of food. I like burgers and, and brew pub food. I love that spot. Yeah, it's a great location. It was, you know, right at the front of the Pearl District, right near mm. Burnside over there. It's perfect. It's in like a perfect, not to sidetrack us too much, but it's like in the perfect position, uh, especially back then before, you know, 10 Barrel popped up there or uh, Fatheads, now Von Ebert is there. Or did I say 10 Barrel? Yeah. You did. Uh, that they're like right there by Powell's, they're right by Burnside. Um, so they're kind of in the heart of, I want to check out downtown of this new town I live in. Ooh, that's a cool looking brewery. Kind of looks like an armory. I'm going to go there. Go inside and there's there's, there's just like wood sculptures and carvings mm-hmm. everywhere. And you're like, this is awesome. So we went there for the food. But I like beer. And I was like, oh, let me try some beer. I know that I know that at that time I didn't like hops. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I asked the guy, I was like, what can I have that's not hoppy? I knew, no, I knew nothing again. And he, he suggested the Blackbeat Porter. It was almost, I think it was the first beer I ever tried in Portland. Oh, wow. And instantly I went, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> and ever since that point, it is still my favorite beer in the, in the whole world. Um, and from that point, I went, wow, this is really good. 
So I tried, I probably tried their um, Obsidian Stout as well because I, I was like, okay, I like dark beers. Yep. I kind of made it in my house. Like, I'm a dark beer guy. I'm going to drink dark beers now. I remember when I first met you. Yep. I was like, hey, do you like beer? And you were like, yeah, I like beer. How about you? And I was like, well, yeah, I love beer. <laughs> and and you asked me. And at the time, <clears throat> so let's see, we met like, what, four years ago? Yep. Something like that. At the time, I was pretty heavy into IPAs, really. IPAs only. Uh, and you at the time were into dark beer only, I remember. And it was like, I want to say a year ago or so, you went somewhere and you had a beer. And it wasn't a dark beer. And you came back and you were like, if you had this beer, it was amazing. And I was like... I thought you only drink dark beer. I think that was a Bowie Pilsner. Oh, because the Czech I, Pilsner? Maybe I oh, can't remember. But that's I, a good Pilsner because I didn't like that kind of a beer. Mm-hmm. And when we went to Bowie, which is in Astoria, Oregon, for those who don't know, um, it it kind of was like, what? I mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, and that opened my my whole mind to trying other types of beer. So after I had the Blackbeard Porter, I just was like, this is great. And I was like, let's look up other breweries. I knew there was a lot. I didn't realize how many there were, but I knew there were a lot. And we just kind of, we tried around the city. We tried Rogue because it was right down the street from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think 10 Barrel was open when, when we were there, but I can't remember exactly what we did. We tried a bunch and I basically exclusively drank dark beers. And and then we decided to travel a little bit to try some beers. Yeah. And I tried the Pilsner and the Lager from Bowie and we, we tried some others and I was like, maybe I like these. Yeah. And we'd start going to the supermarket. And they'd have the the tall boy bottles, and you would be like, "Oh, I've never seen that one before. Let's grab it and try it." And then you start growing a taste for IPAs a little bit, which mm-hmm. is when that happened for me. And now I like almost everything, mm-hmm. and except for sours and saisons, which I'd like to like, but I'm struggling. Um, so that was where it all started for me. And the big thing about the culture for me and how I kind of got ingrained into it is when people come to visit us. The first thing we do is bring them on a brew tour day. Yeah. Especially if they haven't been here before. We bring them to like four places and get way too drunk. Yeah. And eat apps in all the places and stuff. And every single person we do it with loves it. And when they come back, like I've got some friends who've come back multiple times, they don't say, nah, we did that already. They say, what new breweries are we going to? And we, it's like up to me and my wife to come up with little pockets so that we can walk instead of driving and wander around. Your friends are a lot cooler than mine. When mine come into town, they're like, yo, let's go to Breakside. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I love Breakside. That's why I work here. But can we go somewhere else? There's well, yeah. a thousand breweries. So <clears throat> one of my buddies, he, uh, he just got a new job. And he has like a month in between where he's like kind of he can travel a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's coming, but he said – Oh, I, I want to come back up again. I was like, okay, cool. Um, I don't know if you're interested because we've done it the last three times you've been here, but uh, we went to Hood River for the first time and tried all the breweries out there. And I know you haven't been to Astoria yet. It was like, you down to go drive and try breweries? He was like, dude, of course. And I was like, yeah. And that for me is where the culture of beer changed from, mm-hmm. hey, we wanted to go, s- go to some restaurants and we wanted to have some beer too. When people come visit us, we intentionally go on a beer day. And when we have a weekend meal out, Sometimes we don't go to a brewery, but oftentimes we're like, hey, what brewery you want to go to today? Because it's just, we like to be there. It's not it's not even just like, hey, the beer is really good. The culture and the environment at the brewery is also cool. It's a cool vibe at almost all of them. And you kind of, you always feel welcomed. <clears throat> you always feel like you're part of some weird small family that when you're all eating there at the same time and most people are all really friendly, all the servers, and it's like, you're just in a really cool spot. You, I think you touched on probably the biggest reason why beer has become such a, a cultural phenomenon, especially in this city and this state and the Pacific Northwest in general. I mean, geez, the West Coast, for that matter, is is that it, that atmosphere, that environment, is you walk into a place, into a brewery. You could say this 10 years ago. You can say this right now, and there are people from all walks of life in there. And it's usually really casual, really laid back. Beer is not, there is a lot of science in beer, but beer is not full of like geniuses that have doctorates and all this kind of stuff. It's common blue collar working class people making this beer. And I think that because those are the guys that started this, those are the people that started doing this, that it has transferred onto the consumer as well. That we can say, hey, no matter what type of person you are, you know, you can still go to a brewery and have fun and relax. There's no, 
I mean, we try really hard in this industry to not have any sort of, I don't know, arrogance. I mean, obviously there's going to be some arrogance and you can't speak, you know, there's going to be some, some rogue vigilante people out there. But for the most part, everybody just wants to drink good beer. I mean, everybody wants to have a good time. Nobody walks into, I'm I'm sure there are some people, some Yelpers will do this. But for the (laughs) most part, people walk into a brewery already assuming they're going to have a good time. And I think that is so huge. And and I think that another thing that helps with that is we, uh, in this industry, sure, there is a little competitiveness. You know, we do need to sell our bottles or sell our package in the store, sell kegs to restaurants, get our name out there. Do have to make money to pay our employees and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, everybody's in this together. We're all in this together. That's why you will never hear me like in a public forum such as this or whether I'm behind the bar or on the floor or out at a release party or something like that, you will almost never hear me talk trash because I just, I don't think it's helpful at all. I may not like something. It may not be the best representation of the style. It may not be a style that I even enjoy, but you will never say, you'll never hear me say like F those guys, you know, I can't believe those guys think they can make beer because that doesn't help anything. And I think that has helped push the culture, push the movement by keeping us all on the same page. I think there's there's really only, and I think that's super helpful too, because most industries, when you think about it, they're super competitive. There's a lot of hatred between rival companies. Totally. You think Pepsi and Coke would say that about each no, other? Of course not. No way. Um, but I think there's one wall left, and it might be an impossible wall to breach uh, in terms of, because it's a lot of positives, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's positive. Everyone's, we try for the most part, is yeah. happy and copacetic, and they're all good together. But the one wall that you're going to face and that you see all the time is there is a fairly large population of people out there who look down on craft beer and say, ew, that's not what I drank growing up. They say, nope, not going to try it. I'm going to stick with my beer that I I drank growing up. You see commercials from big beer companies saying, we're not like that. We're better. And there's always going to, I don't know if there's always, but to me, that's the wall that still exists between this or between this becoming a thing that is universally accepted as great and that is from what is currently now, I'd say, largely accepted as great. Mm-hmm. I think, so there's two aspects to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Okay. I see exactly where you're coming. There's two sides to that. You have to take, well, not two sides. There's two things I want to point out. You have to take the big beer aspect out of it because they have other motives. Like big beer is telling you, like, we're not those guys. Drink our beer. It's what you grew up on because we're the biggest threat to them. Right. That's so that's that's its own point. And I'm sure we will do a podcast down the road of big beer and how it affects craft beer and blah, blah, blah. The other aspect is some people, that's just kind of how they are. I mean, I'm a single man right now. Uh, I, I go on dates with women from time to time. And I am never going to try and push beer on them. If they like beer, Awesome. If they don't like beer, it's a little I might, check mark in your book. Beer <laughs> I, plus. I might say, hey, give this a taste or what do you not like about beer? But some people are wine drinkers. Some people only drink vodka soda. Some people only drink Coors Light and that's what they like. And I think you have to, to an extent, accept that. I think the only way breweries aren't going to change those people's mind. It's the consumer. It's the you and me. They're going to be like, hey, man. I do this all the time. I got some friends that only drink Coors Light. That's all they drink. And it's hilarious, but also pain because every time I go over to their house, I have to bring beer. Uh, but uh, there are times where I'll look at something like we're going to, there's a, there's this beer out there called Dad Beer made by Berlick, Um, And it's basically just a light domestic American lager that they put in 16 ounce cans. And I put one of those in my buddy who drinks Coors Light hand. And he was like, hey, this isn't bad. I still like Coors Light more, but this isn't bad. <laughs> and at that moment inside, I'm like, happy dance, happy dance, happy dance. You I'm excited. Through a little bit. I broke through a little Woo! bit because you just got to kind of realize that if somebody, you know, if somebody likes red wine, you might be able to find a beer out there that's kind of like red wine. And I think that's the only way. And breweries, they're going to keep making styles that sell and things like that. But that's the only way you're going to get through to that non-craft drinker. That's on us. Also, though, and this is starting to happen is the distribution and spreading it further from where you started. Mm-hmm. Um, so when 
one small story here is when my parents first came out here, uh, when we first moved out here, we brought them to Deschutes because that's the first place we had gone. Yeah. And I was like, I know my dad liked beer and he liked, he's a, he loves Samuel Smith's. He likes their oatmeal stout or I think that's what it was in their chocolate porter. That's his favorite beer. Sam Smith's been around for a long time. And I was like, I know you like dark beer. You mm. have to try this beer I just had. Oh, yeah. And it, it's so funny to me. I don't mean to sidetrack you or cut you off, but it's so funny to me when people are like, you have to try this beer. It's called Black Butte Porter. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> are we like 15? Like, we drink Black Butte Porter when we were 15 because there's nothing else. Right. Like, Dad had Black Butte Porter in the fridge and but he it, just choked it down. It's still that good. <clears throat> And he tried it, and he went, same reaction as I did, I guess, you know, we're related, so same taste buds. He went, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like Keanu? Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. And then he had to talk in the same tone over and over again for the entire movie. Never changed, ever. And There were three of those. <laughs> there were like 17 of those with Keanu Reeves doing that. Um, and so every time we came back, he came back, He we had to go to Deschutes so you can get yeah. Black Butte Porter. And he finally went, where can I find this? And they were not selling it in New Jersey yet, which is where my parents live. Apparently, New Jersey has some really weird liquor laws. But right across the border in Pennsylvania, there was a store that had Black Butte Porter. And my mom one day drove the hour and a half out there and picked up my dad a couple of cases of Black Butte Porter. And that's great. The fact that he could find it in <clears throat> Pennsylvania. Yeah. Now, I know Deschutes is bigger. and Those I know some that, wife points, too. Right. Nice. I know that Deschutes is bigger. I know that they've had, they have more distribution than a lot of these small breweries. Mm-hmm. But... I think just the availability of these beers being at a at a wine plus or a, any store that's out there. Total Bev or right, something like that. On a yeah. shelf. And if someone goes in there and goes, I've never seen that before. And if they're open to trying it, mm-hmm. that's also where you kind of seep into that world as well, where that person might have only had Coors Light like your yeah. friend. But maybe he's curious or she's curious. And there you go. So I think that's the last step, too, where we're already seeing it mm-hmm. because craft beer has exploded <clears throat> in the last five, yep. six years. But I think that is the last step where if you can get uh, a 10 barrel or a Deschutes or Widmer anywhere across the country. Yeah. Then I think that opens the door a little bit more for those areas to build their own micro or craft breweries and microbreweries as well. Without a doubt. I mean, <clears throat> like, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll at some point do a podcast about uh, like hazy IPAs and that thing. But the the biggest reason that that trend hit the west coast was because we kept hearing about these east coast breweries these new, these northeast breweries that were making these like unfiltered juicy full of hops but not very bitter IPAs and everyone was kind of like what the hell is that why do, why, can, why can we get some <laughs> you hear about these giant lines outside of trillium and <clears throat> all these new england breweries and then someone finally brings you that beer and there is a little aspect of the of the uh, excitement, I should say. I'm trying. I don't know exactly how I'm trying to put it, but it's like someone puts down in front the of anticipation. you. Anticipation. Yeah, someone puts down in front of you. This is Heady Topper. And you're like, oh my god! I don't know anything about this beer, or this brewery, but one guy I met who knows a lot about beer says this is the best beer in America. I'm so excited to try. You crack it, you pour it in a glass, and then you drink it, and you're like, this is amazing, and you have no idea if you love it or not. Right. <laughs> you have no idea if you like it or the not. The hype and the anticipation yeah. in your head is like, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, because you're like, oh, my God, I just got something from the East Coast. I heard you got to stand in line for like two hours, and it's a two-can limit, and I got one of these cans? Oh, man, I'm so pumped. I mean, there, there's a lot of that aspect. I mean, that's why, and some breweries do really well for themselves because of that. That's the reputation that they've built. And when it travels across the country or across the the globe, um, that's going to introduce you to so many more people. My uh, my parents have a bar they go to every Friday night for happy hour. And uh, they had a bartender who would be their bartender every time. And he was a big, 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 big craft beer guy. Mm-hmm. And he asked them for two different things when they came out here. He wanted Bourbonic Plague from Cascade. Oh. And he wanted Great Notion, just try Great Something. Notion. Something, yeah. Give me anything you can get. And he didn't live out here. He yeah. hadn't been out here. But he had heard online through the grapevine from somebody that you have to try those beers. Yep. And <clears throat> they traveled with it, back with them on their in their suitcase and gave it to him. And that was it. Like, that's exactly what you're talking about, where that one person said, hey, you, should, you have to have this. Yep. And he asked them, hey, I know you're going there. Can you bring me some? Bam, done. There you go. It's funny that you have that story, and those are the two breweries that came up in that story because 
working in the industry, whether I'm in Milwaukee or or the Northwest spot, uh, get asked that question all the time. Hey, where else should I go? Hey, we're from Chicago. We're from Texas. We're from Florida. What other breweries should we go to? I almost never have to tell them to go to Cascade or Great Notion because they're like, oh, yeah, we already went there. <laughs> where else should we go? <laughs> and then it's like, so because they have that they have that reputation. I mean, Great Notion is a brewery that's I don't even think they're three years old. And everyone in America that's in the beer nerd community uh, knows about that brewery. And Cascade, they've been making beer for 20, 20 plus years. And everyone knows that if you like sours, Cascade's a top sour brewery in America. And every and somehow everyone knows that. And here's stupid old me that's born and raised in this town. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Cascade on Belmont. Yeah, they make good beer. <laughs> you know, Not as a shot to them, but I'm just so used to it. And I think that's that we laugh about those of us that are actually from this town and been here for a long time and have seen the involvement. You know, we like to laugh that we're the unicorn, uh, but we, because so many, we have so many transplants in this town and we're now even getting so many more visitors that we have to remind ourselves that there are things that people don't get and are really excited about it. I think Cascade makes fantastic beer. Their barrel aging program is second to none. And, I have to remind myself, I'm always like, man, why does every single person I talk to want to go to Cascade? We have 93 breweries in the greater Portland area. <laughs> and growing. And, and everyone's going, oh, right, because they make fantastic beer. Duh. Right. That's why. That's the same thing. And like they've you heard say, about them everywhere. Why do you want Blackview Porter? We've had that since we're 15. Well, because they, it's a great beer. Yeah. And I didn't have it since I was 15, in your instance. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, yeah. I think it's, it's really cool where craft beer is right now. And it's as strong and healthy as ever. My last point on this before we, we move on to the, the interview with John Harris is it doesn't seem like it's slowing down at all Mm-mm. because and when we see this on a monthly basis here in this city, again, Portland, Oregon, for those who are listening for the first time, there are brand new breweries opening up and 90 percent of them are doing well. Yep. Because and you, you feel like just in economics and naturally, if there's oversaturation of something all of them will fail or all of them will lose business Mm -hmm. but that's not happening at all of course some breweries close Mm -hmm. of course some change owners of course things happen but it's not that often that it happens for the percentage of breweries that are here it's pretty wild um yeah saturation is 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 a topic that comes up all the time especially with people that come into this area and they're just like how do you know where to go there's one everywhere isn't it too much and I, you know, and I want to preface this with... You underestimate how many days there are in a year, my yeah, friend. Yeah, <laughs> I want to preface this with, if you're somebody out there, whether you're a brewer or or a novice, uh, I do not want to imply to you that you shouldn't follow a dream of opening a brewery if that's your dream. But I kind of live and die by this motto that this town doesn't need more breweries. However, we will always drink good beer. So it's like... I went to the uh, I went to the grand opening at Ruse, uh, one of the a, a new brewery on 17th and Holgate. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I've known you know uh, Sean and Devin for years now, and we're all been really excited for this project for them to open. But we don't need another brewery to open. And then I go down there and I drink all their beers, and I'm like, guys, you are killing it. This beer is phenomenal. And at that moment, it's like once you start making great beer, I felt the same way about Level. They came with some heavy hitters when they opened Level out by the airport. And it's like, oh, here we go, another brewery. And then I go out there and I try it. I'm like, guys, this is great. And then you almost don't realize they're a new brewery because it's like the second they open, it's, it's almost like a facade. You see the outside and you're like, oh, another brewery. I can't keep up. I'm running a marathon. This is brutal. And then you walk in and the beer is great and you're like, Oh yeah, Ruse. Yeah, they've been around for a while. Well, you want to know yeah. the the while we wrap this up, my little little secret on that. Mm. I thought Level had been around for a long time yep. because I've seen them in supermarkets yeah. and I've tried their beer and it's really good. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe they just started putting it in in New Seasons or in Albertsons or whatever. Maybe that's just why I'm seeing it now. But you, that's the first time I found out that they're fairly new. Yeah, I think they're about a year old, maybe two. I mean, they come with like Ex Novo Laurelwood experience, like some heavy hitters with with some good money, good beer money behind them. Right. It was just. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they'd been around forever nope. and they just started dis- distri- uh, putting dis- words, putting bottles into Albertsons and New Seasons because that's where I shop sometimes. And yep. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll try it. 
but that's exactly it. If they make good beer, they're not new. Yep. They're just a part of the culture. Yep. That's what's so crazy about it. All right. Let's get in to an interview with one of the heavy hitters in beer here in Portland. He's the owner of Ecliptic. He spent time at McMinniman's Full Sail Deschutes, and he also is the guy who was behind Black Beat Porter. John Harris joins Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. There's no bigger name than uh, the John Harris, and we appreciate you being on with us, John. You bet. How's it going? We're good. We're great, man. We're uh, we're just kind of hanging out. This is kind of a whole new adventure for us. We're excited to get going. We kind of wanted to bring a whole different aspect to the beer podcast world and be a little more informative. And we recently kind of started off this first episode talking a little brief history and kind of some culture stuff, and we thought there was no one better to talk to than you. But uh, how's Ecliptic going? How are things going for you guys right now? I'm doing pretty good. Just kind of flowing along through the years. Just half over. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what are you brewing right now? What's coming up new on the tap list out there? Oh, um, our newest beer right now is our Quasar Pale Ale. It's a, kind of a modern take on the Pale Ale, really light, really crisp, mosaic hops. And um, we're working on a collaboration brew with Modern Times right now that comes out in a couple weeks. So it'll be kind of fun. Now, to me, you guys at Ecliptic have the best dark beer in the city, bar none. Where where does your affinity for dark beers come from, and, and how have you specifically cracked the code to making successful dark beers? Because you started, of course, you made Black Bee Porter, and, and Ecliptic's got so many good ones, too. Oh, I mean, I'm a fan, I'm, you know, a fan of Porter's um, the general stouts. Um, not like 100 degrees out, but <laughs> <laughs> in most days I could do it. But, um, no, they're, um, I don't know, I just uh, like to combine about, you know, five to eight different kind of malts involved to try to build the base flavors and um like blackbeard porter and capella porter are two completely different recipes they don't have really anything in common at all really other than chocolate malt so just two different you know two different takes on that style uh and speaking of that i was i was kind of curious in 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 your history of kind of where you started and stuff did you ever expect Kind of we were, we were talking a lot about culture and how things have evolved in this town. And did you ever kind of expect things to become as big as they are now? You know, thinking back to when you kind of had your young starting up till now, how far we've grown. Did you kind of see that coming? Did you expect it? What did you think would be different? What do you like about it? Well, I mean, you know, honestly, 30 years ago, I started to create this. Um, I had no clue that this would become as big as it was. I mean, we had, um, you know, we had the issues just getting people to try our beer, you know. <laughs> you no, know, this is really light. It's, really, it's not going to hurt, you know. You know people <laughs> are afraid of beer. And now people want the most craziest things on the planet that I never thought would ever sell, you know, these days. The whole haze craze and just original Whitmer headlights that are so cloudy. It's just like, but it's sold. It's crazy. Did you think that some of the original creations you had at, at a place like, say, Deschutes with uh, Blackview Porter or Mirror Pond would stick around and still be as successful as they are today when you made them? Oh, well, you know, probably not. I mean, at that point, we're trying to make 100 barrels a year. I mean, the, um, like I said, I mean, the idea that, you know, Deschutes would grow to be a 300,000 barrel year brewery is kind of baffles my mom. Not my mom, my mind. <laughs> it might baffle your mom too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just um, I think that um, you know, certain brands just took took root early on, and and uh, then the breweries continue to make them make them you know great and consistent day to day that drove to the success of them for sure. So I grew up in New Jersey, which was kind of like a craft beer wasteland when I grew up. And when I first moved out here to Portland, the first beer that I tried that I loved was Black Butte Porter. And I, I guess the question, it's just a story to lead into the question for me is, do you think that dark beers are way more approachable for people who haven't had a chance to really experiment with craft beer or to try craft beer? Because um, for me, that's kind of how it went. I, I went all dark beers before I kind of ventured into the IPAs, lagers, reds, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, that's an odd path, you'd think. But um, back when we first opened the shoots years ago, um we thought that most of the women would be drinking the Golden Ale, and we actually found out that most of the women, you know, went right to the porter because it was sweeter. And uh, I think that that's a, just a place most people start, start when they're drinking craft beers, that you start with something that's kind of light or approachable or kind of on the sweet side, and then eventually you head towards the dark side of the hops and stuff, and eventually is where you get. And then some people rebound back 
kilometers. You just never know where you're going to go these days. Uh, coming back into some of this evolution stuff, I'm I'm curious, what do you think has changed in the industry to get us to where we are? Do you think it's, you know, more modernized equipment? Do you really think it was just something, like you were saying, people just needed to try your beer? Do you think it was eventually that, and that's what helped it grow? I'm, I'm just curious, and what do you think was maybe the big spark that pushed everything? That's a heavy question. Um, yeah, there's different weight. There's definitely different... Um, ways to the craft beer you know, growth. Um, you know, the first wave being the you know, mid-80s to, well, really the beginning of the 80s with Sierra Nevada, but um, you know the mid-80s to the mid-90s where you were just trying to get people to try beer. And then by 1999, I think we crossed a thousand breweries in the country or something like that. And so um, there was also a little bit of a slowdown at that time too. The craft beer kind of took a little nosedive. A lot of breweries went out of business, um, you know, nationwide. Very few breweries have actually closed in Oregon, which is awesome. Um, but um, I just think that uh, as people just expand out their flavors, I mean, like you look at the Portland food scene in the 1980s, you know, you had three decent restaurants in town that would be considered high end, you know what I mean? But now we have what, what top food seats in the country, top beer seats in the country, top wine seats in the country. I mean, you know, the whole the whole thing just kind of, you know, you know blasted out of Oregon without question, because cause mostly because of the support of all the people who live here who really like to support local, uh, local businesses. I've got two follow-up questions to that. The first one is... You mentioned breweries in Oregon don't really fail that often. And to me, that blows my mind a little bit. Because when you generally, when you have an oversaturation of something, eventually the the ends kind of fall off and you kind of go back to having a core group of breweries. But, I mean, every single month it feels like one or two places are opening or they're opening multiple locations or breweries that existed elsewhere. Like we, we just saw the new Backwoods open downtown. There's the Double Mountain that's on the east side. They're opening multiple locations and almost all of them – are successful or at least staying afloat. Why is Portland so unique in your mind in terms of keeping all of these breweries uh, around? Oh, um, like I said a minute ago, just I think that it's just kind of this support that local Oregonians have for Oregon products, and I think that uh, also the fact that with all the breweries around are making really good, really good stuff. To also not just you're not supporting bad beer, you're supporting good beer. I think that um, just there's just a uh, no other beer market in the country is as big as Portland, Oregon, without any questions. So it just, we just happen to be in the right city. You know what I mean? They're, they're just loves their beer. I mean, that's what some people do on the weekends. You just go to breweries, you know? <laughs> and the second follow-up to that was you talked about how the food scene's grown in Portland. And having been to Ecliptic, the menu is, it's unique. You've got really unique stuff on the menu at Ecliptic. It's and, one of my favorite brewery menus in town by far. Um, how important is the food at a brewery? Uh, compared to just the beer, because some people are going to be going with their significant other, and they might not like beer. How important in your mind is the actual menu and the chef that you get to to keeping a successful brewery going? Well, it depends on your business model. Um, my business model was that I wanted to have really good food. I didn't. I wanted to tie the food scene in Portland with the beer scene in Portland, and um, some other brewery um, people advised me, you know, don't give don't give them too good of food, <laughs> and I just laughed at them because they, they make really crappy food, and I just said, well, you know, you're you have, you have butts in your suits every day, but I want to have a place that's um, known for, for its food as well as its beer. So for me, it was an old priority to find the right person to, you know, craft the menu and also just, you know, be willing to spend more money on food costs to, just to give a better product and have that tie in with the beer. Uh, I think it's really important. And I think since we've opened a lot of other places, they're starting to take their food more seriously. Uh, we've got the uh, Oregon Brewers Festival coming up, John. What are you guys, uh, what are you guys putting in for the fest this year? Uh, we decided to go kind of some, just kind of go with with the masses on this one. We um, we're doing a um, it's called Flamingo Planet Guava Blonde Ale. So it's just kind of a nice like nice blonde ale with uh, some guava in it. Something that's just really easy drinking and something that the crowds at OBF really like. It's just those light fruit beers are really popular there. So we decided just to give the people what they wanted. So we gave them a Flamingo Planet. John Harris, owner of Ecliptic Brewing, formerly McMinimins, Full Sail, Deschutes, and I'm assuming some others. I might have missed some. Thanks so much for coming on yeah, episode one of it. Beers on Us, man. appreciate it. I really do. Thanks for chatting with you guys, and uh, well, I'll see you at the festival. Thanks again to John Harris for sitting in with us. Next week, we will continue the interviews by bringing in Mike Hunsaker from Grains of Wrath and formerly of Fatheads. And uh, so check in next week when we have that interview. But we got to do what we're going to do every single week at the end of the podcast which will be our beer of the week. Yes. That, and we have it with us. This is not just we're going to talk about it. 
Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to drink it, too. It's an excuse. So this is uh, this is Berlick Brewing, which is here in Portland. New Noise IPA. I have not had this one before, so this will be a new experience for me. I've been um, drinking a. I've been drinking a lot of a lot of Berlick, not just lately, but since they opened up. They are a newer ish brewery. Um, I've been fortunate enough to know Rick, who's one of the one of the lead brewers there, and Eldon, who's one of their sales reps. They got a place down on Eleventh in Southeast Portland. I believe it's just before Division, just past past Hawthorne. I think. If I'm remembering correctly, but they also just opened a new place. That's why I kind of thought this would be a fun beer to try. They opened a new place out on 60th and Halsey. I haven't had the chance to be to go out there yet. Uh, I'm really, really excited to. I've really enjoyed this brewery. Um, I think these guys have the chance uh, to really kind of down the line become a big player in this town. I have heard of them before, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen a lot of them yep. before. I, I've never seen the breweries. I've actually even been down where their original one is, but I haven't seen it. Uh, maybe it's just I haven't been there in a while. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen them spread their tentacles necessarily yet, so it's uh, give some love to Berlick. Yeah, and I think, I think I'm fortunate that because I go to a lot of uh, bottle shops and tap houses and stuff that I'm exposed to a lot of Berlick. Um, I've, like I said, <clears throat> I've always really enjoyed their beer. But a little side note, I was at the Oregon Beer Awards uh, last February, this this most recent one, and these guys did very well. They did very well at, at the showing. Um, I believe they won Mid-Sized Brewery of the Year, which the year before they won Small Brewery of the Year. I might be mistaken on that. but There's some growth there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, And what was really great about being at that awards show is because they're a smaller brewery, <clears throat> they were able to kind of bring – a large majority of their staff, front of house, back of house, everything like that. And, okay, sure, they had been enjoying some adult beverages mm-hmm. as all OBAs go. Uh, but I remember seeing, I remember like being, walking down the aisle or something to go back to my seat or I was sitting near the aisle or something and they had won an award. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but the looks on their faces, the smiles they had, they were just so happy to not just be there, but that people were accepting their beer. They're giving hugs to everyone. You know, some of us who work for, for larger breweries are high-fiving them as they're going down. And it was it was probably the my biggest memory of OBAs was, man, it was like the next day. How was OBAs last night? They were fantastic. Those Bear Lit guys, they were a lot of fun. So in all of these Beers of the Week uh, segments that we're going to do, I... I'm going to I'm going to early on lean on you for some of the descriptors and I'll mm-hmm. try to give what I what I think about the beer as well. So I, I took a couple sips while you were <clears> talking there. <throat> to me, this is a really easy drinking IPA. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of IPAs that punch you in the mouth with hops or they leave you with a really big hop aftertaste. Not bad, just it's a it's a very obvious style. This one when you <clears throat> when you take the sip, it doesn't even feel like you're drinking an IPA immediately. It almost just feels like a smooth I don't want to say an amber necessarily, but it kind of just has that smooth ambery vibe to it where that first sip is very easy. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting the hop flavor as it's going in. That was a, that's a really good beer. Yeah. I think what I really like about this beer is, yeah, the the hop character and the bitterness comes across really well on the back end. Um, for those that know me or as you guys listen to this podcast and get to know my palate, uh, my favorite part of my palate is the back end is what leaves me. Because that's going to tell me, do I want this again? If that's the lingering flavor in my mouth. That's interesting that that's even a thing you think about. Yep, that's the kind of thing that, well, I didn't know it for a long time. And then someone was like, what's your favorite part of your palate? And I was like, what's a palate? (laughs) And then I started kind of thinking. Is that a thing that uh, that holds other things, a palate of wood? (laughs) Yeah. And so it got me kind of thinking, is it the nose? Is it the initial taste? Is it the body in the middle? Or is it the lingering flavor? And what I really like about this is that lingering flavor of bitterness, hop character, and I think what you are getting when you said it reminds me like an amber, you're tasting malt. Yeah. That's the malt. That's going to give you that residual sweetness to it. And in a day and age where IPAs are very much, I mean, we're kind of all over the board right now when it comes to IPAs. These are kind of the ones I like. I don't like the overly malty IPAs, but I also need some malt character that helps give it body to me. So sure, it's easy drinking, but it's still kind of full in that midsection of my palate. And you said nose, and that'll be something that I'm going to try to pay attention to. Do you mean actually just the smell? Yep. And it's 
because that's the thing. Because I also enjoy wine, which I didn't mm-hmm. bring up in the beginning. I'm I, I just like drinking. Like yeah, I me think too. That's, that's kind of <clears throat> say it's a thing to do. Yeah. Um, I don't really drink vodka because there's not a ton of flavor in vodka. Not to knock it. Great with mixed drinks. Yeah. But but it's like I would choose gin over vodka every day because they're adding something to it to give it more flavor. So. I love smelling wine before drinking it, but I almost never smelled beer. It's just, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's the first thing I do. So First thing I do is smell. You said nose, and I smelled it. And I don't know what I'm looking for, Mm -hmm. but it kind of smells a little sweet to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if that's the malt part you're talking about, but that's kind of what I'm smelling. Yeah, most likely. Um, I keep smelling it. I don't know if they can, I don't know if you can hear this, but. (laughs) Now they can. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm smelling it, yeah, and I think that's how he when just put I put his nose right next to the microphone, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and I think that's how I kind of knew what when I first had this beer, the first time I had this beer. Um, I kind of it kind of gave me that initial like, okay, I think I'm gonna like this. You know, there it the nose is not always the best descriptor of the beer, um, or or the like the most accurate descriptor. I should say I've had a ton of beers that smell phenomenal, and then you taste it, and it's like woof. Uh, but I could smell, okay, there's malt characteristic in this. I know there's going to be a body behind this. And I think that's what got me excited when I first had this beer. And then on the front end on this one, so you said nose, front end, back end. Is that uh, it? I also talk about the middle a lot. The middle is where I get most of the body characteristic. Like, is it thick? Is it heavy? Is it light? That's kind of where, that's where my palate is, and I and when I, I keep referencing my palate, Whoa. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some sort of like mental gymnastics to figure mm-hmm. out my palate here. And I think I think the biggest, most important thing, and I don't want to take away from our beer of the week that we want to talk about this beer, this brewery. The most important thing is, and I and I think this is a great reason why you and I are why this will be such a fun endeavor for the two of us is no palate is the same. Like, no matter what. I'm fortunate enough to work next to a head brewmaster who has one of the most amazing palettes I've ever come across. But even he says this. He writes beer descriptors. I read them. I look for what he's writing. But at the end of the day, I'm going to taste things different than him and vice versa. And that doesn't make me wrong. That doesn't make me right. That doesn't make him wrong. That doesn't make him right. You have to remember your palate is your palate. So that's Beer of the Week. We're going to do it at the end of the podcast every single week. That was Barrelick Brewing's New Noise IPA. And uh, if you've got any suggestions for Beer of the Week that you want us to try, feel free to, to hit us up. And uh, we'll put it on a list and we'll we'll add it throughout all of our podcasts because we'll have ours too that we're going to want to bring in. But if you've got some that you really want us to try, feel free. We're on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 Patrick's at PDiddy085. Uh, so tweet at us, whatever whatever beer you'd like us to try. We'll make a little note of it, and then uh, we'll, we'll get to them throughout the next couple of months while we do this. Um, so, yeah, that was that was episode one, baby. Yeah, here we go. In and one, la- one last thing on, on the beer of the week is, you know, I, it sounds like next week our, our topic of discussion will be uh, the West Coast IPA. Yes. Uh, we figured if, if we were going to do a style podcast, you, we won't do styles every time. We want to talk on a lot of different – topics within this industry but we want to sprinkle in some style podcasts we figured ipa was the best approachable style in terms of the sense that uh a lot of listeners out there a lot of beer drinkers out there drink ipas ipa is almost always from what i hear the favorite from a lot yeah but our beers of the week segment will not have to necessarily pertain to the topic we're talking about correct in fact i think it will be i think it will be even more advantageous for us to be talking about IPAs and then beers on us, probably about something not hoppy. Could go a little dark beer on you or or, or an amber. Or yeah, something. we could do anything. Yeah, do literally. I, anything. I brought in the beer this week, so you can you can choose the, the beer next Ooh. week if you want. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll alternate here in the, or every other week, and we'll bring in some of the beer. Plus, that'll save us some cash every yeah. <laughs> every week bringing in the beer. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, please rate and review us. On whatever little, podcast, little burp there, Mike. Little burp. Well, <laughs> I'm drinking beer. Uh, please rate or review us on uh, whatever platform you're finding this podcast. We'd really appreciate it. We're going to drop this every single Thursday at around 4 p.m., right leading into your Thirsty Thursday, right before you get off work. So if you're going home, you can listen in the car. And uh, like we said on Twitter, I'm at MikeLynch27, Patrick's at PDD085. So you can follow us there, tweet at us suggestions of beer to drink or topics you want to hear or any of that stuff. We'll take all that into account. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Use the hashtag beer on us. I don't know. I saw that on Twitter being used for something with the World Cup. 
So, oh, it's because they were throwing beers in the air every time they scored. The English were, but there's and then like it kind of caught on. There's like an emoji next to it too. Oh, really? It's weird. They steal our idea. We yeah. had this before the World Cup. I know we did. Uh, no, that's fine. Use uh, yeah, use hashtag beers on us if you'd like, and we'll we'll steal it back from them. Yeah, maybe some French guy who just hashtag beers on us, Viva la France, is going to be like, what's that podcast, <laughs> but in French? And, uh, well, I'm only hanging out for the Farmhouse podcast. Whatever, dude. <laughs> hashtag beers on us. That's fine. Yeah, use that, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Deuces. Powerful as Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.